God's good word for our consideration this morning comes from the book of Haggai, chapter 2. And if you've got one of these white and blue or light blue Bibles in your rows there and you want to follow along with me, we're on page 769, 769, as we hear God's word here today. The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God are yours in Christ Jesus. So, here is our building. Here's our, our church. I'm guessing most of you have already forgotten about it. it. It's not very remarkable. You probably didn't have very much to say about it for the last few weeks. It's certainly nothing like this building. Uh, that's, that's a pretty remarkable building, isn't it? That is the building that we're talking about as we read the book of Haggai here today. That's Zerubbabel's temple. That is the building that Zerubbabel and the people came back and built together. Massive place, isn't it? Quite impressive. And when Jesus walked on the earth some 500 years later, it was this exact building that he walked in. It had been renovated at that time by Herod. But when Jesus and his disciples walked through it, they said, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. They were so impressed by it. I think the sense, you know, this, this doesn't really touch us because the temple is not part of our life, right? But I think the sense must have been something like seeing this site. Go to the next image there. Go to the next picture. I have thought about my, my great, great, great grandfather. Go to, the next, go to the next slide, Lillian. There you go. I, I thought much about my great, great grandfather seeing that and coming into New York Harbor. In case you, you don't know, I found out this. In 1886, of course, the Statue of Liberty was put up and commissioned. But before that, uh, just the arm and the torch was in the Madison Square Park, uh, in, right in New York. And you could see it as you came into the harbor, but it wasn't out on the, the statue yet. I wonder if my great-great-great-grandfather was the one who gave the donation that pushed them over so that they could actually put the statue up. Maybe. I don't know. But so many people have said something like, you know, you sail right past that Statue of Liberty, and you see her standing there as countless immigrants have come through with her arms held high, and, and she is more moving of a sight than I would have expected. She's a glorious sight, a glorious sight. Countless people have said that as they have seen that statue. And today, that's what God wants you and I to have. He wants us to display the glory that he has. He wants us to, to make that glory known, to display it, to show it for the whole world to see. This is the third reason why you and I should be busy doing this work of God to build a great church, to build a great congregation. That's what God told Haggai to tell the people to do, to build his church. And the first reason we should do it is to simply obey God. It's what we're supposed to do. The second reason, as we heard last week, is because God has made us strong for this work. He became weak so we can be strong. And the third is today, it's the end result. It's the final aim. It's the, the last goal. Haggai tells us that glory is a good thing. You know, that's something that you and I probably don't 
like. We don't think of white robes, blazing light, big noise. Glory is not something that we like. But look what Haggai says. Can you go on here so we can read this together? Haggai says this. He says, In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Do you hear what he says about glory? He doesn't put it down. He doesn't reject it. He he doesn't say it's a silly waste of money. He says the glory of this house will be greater than the glory of the last one. What does that mean? That means glory is a, a good thing. Glory is something that you and I should go after and want. He's drawing on a a very old picture. When Moses went up on the mountain to get the ten words from God, this cloud came down and it covered the mountain. The people looked at it and they saw a burning fire, a consuming fire. It burned on that mountain and it covered the whole mountain with a fire, but it did not burn up. It never went out. Can you imagine what that would have looked like and felt like? A consuming fire, a fire that burns and it just never destroys. It never goes out. And Moses walked up into that fire, but he walked right back out. When Moses came down from the mountain, he helped the people build a tent. That tent then was consumed and covered by that same cloud. Again, it burned, but it never destroyed Moses walked into that tent, and he would come out with his face glowing like the sun. And Man, can you imagine how wonderful, how much they must have had to say, that's our God. There's our God right there. He says this fire, he burns, but he never burns up. He consumes, but he never destroys. He is a consuming fire. What a glorious sight that must have been. A magnificent sight. Friends, that... That is the glory of the Lord. That is the glory of our God. And that's what, that's what glory means. It doesn't just mean that you're awesome or magnificent or impressive or unique. It means that glory means that you're impressive or you're unique in such a way that you are spoken well of. Right? You're consistently spoken well of. That's what glory is. I was thinking about that this last week as I went to uh, the Creative Arts Festival. Somehow I got stuck in the teen zone. I don't know how that worked out, right? You think I, I can do well with teens? I don't know. Anyway, I was stuck with the teen zone, and the high school robotics team was there. They had this neat robotic that, robot that they had built. It was really actually quite a, an impressive sight, because they had built a robot that could do the monkey bars. And not just do any monkey bars, it could do inclined monkey bars. It could climb the monkey bars. That's pretty awesome. I thought, how many of us can do the monkey bars? How many of us can do inclined monkey bars? It was really neat. And, and yet, you know, maybe, maybe one or two of us said, oh, that's a, that's a neat robot. But what did we mostly talk about? The team, right? We said, great work, you guys. 
you built a really neat thing. This is, this is really pretty neat. You did a nice job. They were spoken well of. And they were spoken well of consistently because of, of this thing that they had, did, had done. That's glory. We didn't talk about the, the robot. The robot was simply a thing that allowed us to speak well of the team. That's glory. And glory does just that. Glory helps people see how big, how awesome, how impressive something actually is. Glory doesn't make something big and awesome and impressive and wonderful. Glory helps people see how wonderful and awesome and impressive something is. Do you get the difference there? Do you see that difference? If you look at that robotics team, if you had been and looked at the high school students, you would have looked at them and you would have said, yeah, they're just, you know, they're high school kids. I'm sure they're good kids. I'm sure they're smart. I'm sure they're, they're decent. Maybe they work hard. Right? But when you saw that robot and you saw how we could climb up the bars, you said, wow, these are some good students. We need to keep these kids around. We shouldn't get rid of them. They're doing some good work, right? That robot did not make them any bigger than they were actually were, but it helped us see how big and how impressive and how good they were. That robot was the glory of the team. And friends, that, do you see, that's what Jesus has done for us, but even more, that's what Jesus has done for God. Jesus doesn't make God any bigger, any more wonderful than he already is. But what Jesus does do is he helps us see God for who he actually is. He helps us see how big God actually is. John chapter 17, Jesus said this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. If you don't get glory, that's going to be a really hard sentence to get. But maybe you can change it this way. Father, the hour has come. Make your son seem big so that everybody can see how big you actually are. What Jesus is saying is, is glorify me now. And when I've been beaten and when I've been lied about and when I've been manipulated and when people have cheated and taken advantage of me, when they have nailed me on a cross, when they have crushed me into to nothing, when they have spit on me and cursed me and mocked me, when they have done all of those things to me, then people will see how big God actually is. Then they will see how big God is. What Jesus is saying to you and I is, you know, you and I, we think, what's a big person? A big person is somebody who can rule his family and take charge of his family. A big person is somebody who can make millions and run a business well. A big person is a politician or an influencer who can control the, the, the actions and the behavior of, of thousands of people. A big person is somebody who gives millions to charity and fixes world problems. No, Jesus says, that's not a big person. A big person is somebody who saves. 
The person is somebody who gives everything that they have to save somebody else. And Jesus says, don't you see? Don't you see that is how big your God actually is? Don't you see that he has given up everything? He has moved heaven and earth so that he could save you? Don't you see that's how big he actually is for you? I thought about this lately. There's a a moment stuck in my head because now that I'm a middle-aged man, all the little kids don't like me anymore. They used to love me. But there's, you know, now with three-year-old girls and four-year-old girls, they run away in terror from me. And there is nothing in this world that I wouldn't do so that they would just run to me and give me a hug and say, I like you too. And I think if, if I'm willing to become that little for them, how much bigger is our God who would get down on his knees and say, crucify me so that I can love you? Right? That is the glory of our God, friends, that he would come down not just from six foot four, but from heavens and earth, all of creation who bows at his feet, to bow not just at your feet and mine, because that is not big, big enough, to bow not just at every foot of every person in the Wisconsin Synod, or at every foot, at every person of every person in every Christian church in the whole world, but to bow at the feet of all creation and say, I will have do everything to make you mine. I will do everything to save you. That is the glory of our God. And friends, isn't that glory that you and I want to have? Don't you want that glory to be among us? Because did you hear how Haggai says glory comes to us? He says it right here at the end of our lesson. Here's how glory comes. Haggai says, I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. He says, the silver and gold are mine, but what is desired will come. Do you catch that? Glory is not about what we have. It's not about the money or anything else. It's about what you want. You get that? See, if we were just working for being famous, what would we do? We'd do something impressive here in Otsego so that people would talk about us, wouldn't we? Maybe we'd, we'd build a new and big and fancy church, the biggest church in town. Maybe we'd, we'd start a, a housing project so that lots of people who can't afford a house can get a house. Maybe we'd put together the best food drive anybody's ever seen. Then we'd get famous. If glory was just about being good, well, we'd just be nice people. We'd be kind people. We make sure that nobody else ever had anything bad to say about us. We never talk about the forgiveness of sins because that would make people uncomfortable. Right? We never talk about eternal life because that might make people feel like, ugh, maybe I don't have real life. That would, if that was glory, we'd just be good. But that's not glory. Glory comes by what you and I desire, by what you want. What do we want? 
What do we want? Do you want the robot so that people will finally start to say good things to you? Do you want the Statue of Liberty so that people will say good things about you? Or do we want something far greater? Do you want the forgiveness of sins? Have you asked for the forgiveness of sins? Do you want eternal life? Have you asked and talked and thought and searched for eternal life? Does your heart long to be assured that you have a life that will never be taken away from you? Do you want hope? Do you want hope that doesn't crush you? That doesn't leave your soul just withering and wasting away and saying this world is falling apart? What do you and I want? Do you remember that, that first event where you and I sat with uh, the, the guy who was talking about the, uh, the, the congregational counseling session and, and where the, the church and where we could be together as, as God's people? Do you remember that? And, and the first thing he did is he had us say, okay, if we were going to be a people of God together, here's what we would do. Here's what we would do. And we looked to the scriptures and we said, these are the things we want to be. This is what we want. Friends, if we wanted to make sure everybody around us was forgiven, if we wanted to make sure that everybody else around us had eternal life, if we wanted everybody around us to be assured that they are right, not because of what they've done, but because of Jesus, that they are good because of him, that would be a glorious sight. There would be nothing more glorious in this whole world than that. Friends, what do we want? Do we desire what God gives so that his glory fills this place? Let us be those people who want those great things of God. Let this place be filled with his glory. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we've heard this awesome assurance, this awesome promise that you will be glorified by us. You will fill this place with your glory, and so your glory will reach to the heavens and the earth. And we pray that you would, you would make us into your glorious congregation, your glorious people, that your honor, your praise, your good name, that you would be spoken well of throughout the whole earth. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus who gave us a, a glory that can never be taken away, an honor that will never be ripped away from us, and gave your name glory that passes beyond all understanding. We pray that, that you would let us then be spoken well of as well. Let us be your people of glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.